Hey, this is Ryan Croton. I'm uh, hosting the podcast of More Than Velocity. I'm excited today to get Lou Kalaski on here. Um, he's one of our recent students on our Certified Arm Care Specialist course. So I'm excited to get feedback. I love getting feedback from everybody that's sort of email or LinkedIn. But uh, now we're getting face to face and it's a one on one. So, you know, stay tuned. It's going to be a, a fast one. And I know you'll want to have uh, time for this because he's got great experience. Let me introduce Lou. Lou is, uh, he, he's born and raised in Akron, Ohio. Zips, right, Lou? Yes I, yes. I coached against them. I was a college coach at the University of Buffalo and we pounded that team. Probably <laughs> Always, the only, everybody, everybody pounds with my team. Probably, <laughs> probably the only teams we, we beat, but uh, he's got some crazy stats in this. Like, um, he's a young looking guy, but he's been married for 20 years. I mean, anybody that can do that is, is phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of secrets there. I know it's not the, the basis of this podcast, but I think that's unique in people to, uh, to form relationships. Um, he's got three kids. Uh, Luke is 20, Peyton and Piper, uh, 18 years old. These are, all these kids are in college and I got a ton of gray hair and I can't understand why he doesn't. I got two young ones that are just running me ragged. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty amazed by this, but, um, his coaching career, it's, it started from T-ball, you know, and, and that's something I really like about our, uh, our customers and they just come to us, you know, I call them, you know, community members because they come from all walks of life. And, and I really gravitate to people that start at the grassroots level, um, because that's hard. Uh, I, I, when I left the, uh, Orioles and I, I went to, um, to go to Penn in between there, I coached, uh, six and seven year olds. And I'll tell you, man, it was like herding cats. It was crazy. Um, you got to keep them active. If you don't have a lot of action, they're going to sit on the ground and pick grass. So, you know, he's, yeah. he's had that experience, but he's come all the way up to, you know, high school, post, post grads, um, higher level baseball, uh, players. But, uh, what's really, uh, interesting is that he's an MPA, uh, certified uh, coach, which is National Pitching Association. Anybody doesn't know that, uh, that's Tom House's organization. And basically everything in baseball has uh, been derived from Tom House. If you ask Jordan Osegura, we can't come up with any original ideas unless uh, they were adapted from Tom. So um, I'm excited that, uh, you know, that he's with us and he runs a business called the Rubber City Baseball Academy. I'm going to repeat it. Rubber City Baseball Academy. Like, th this is awesome for me because I just put out a newsletter on building a rubber arm. This is probably a place where you do it in Akron, Ohio. Uh, he's been doing it for nine years, so he, he's not new to the business world. And uh, what's cool is that he's unique in that he's just not baseball guys, but he's also doing quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, that's that's some versatility. Uh, out of a throwing athlete, and there's some clear differences biomechanically between them, and, and it's just interesting to appreciate it. So, first thing I'm going to start with Lou is, uh, you know, I want to just know your your key coaching philosophies because every coach that we have come on are different, and uh, and what I want to have for our uh, you know our viewership and people who are listening is to start to develop their own coaching model and their own coaching philosophies based on people who have experience. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Lou. Okay, well, um, my philosophies uh, from, from starting at, at T-Ball, which was basically with my children, uh, all of them, all the mm -hmm. way up until at least 13 or 14, um, were mainly just based off of what I thought baseball was and what I learned and what actually was given to me conventionally, like wisdom-wise, either from my dad, my grandfather, or a coach that 
that heard something or my uncle who was a, a, a really good player and pitcher that they could throw 90 miles an hour at, at, as a sophomore and then turn around uh, as a senior and not be able to hit, hit that because he was hurt and Oof. he dropped three or four miles an hour. And he's always telling me about curveballs and stuff, but, but the philosophy was, was based off of conventional wisdom. And I thought I knew a lot of stuff and I did, but it wasn't the right stuff. And as I started moving towards uh, NPA and understanding some key elements on how to reframe things, turn negatives into positives. Okay. Trying to get players, good information that everybody had and master the stuff that was given to me through that certification, helping players get to the next level and enjoy their journey and not seeing it as uh, a chore to do some of the stuff they need. Um, but some of the, the other things that I'm, I, I want to see is, you know, the conventional wisdom to science backed studies. Right. So that's, mm -hmm. that's where I'm like the, the, the switch kind of flipped for me. Mm -hmm. And I changed the way that I related to kids because I was also looking at their personality types and how they learn. Mm. Okay. Um, I did teach music uh, for a long time for about 23 years prior to oh getting into the baseball stuff. Cause I was a guitar player uh, in a metal band that toured. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> with that, I learned by patterns. So my experience of learning is a little bit different. Um, so understanding people and then trying to relate to everybody the way that they can do it easily without boiling the ocean. And mm -hmm. as you know, when we start talking about kinematic sequencing and all the pillars of, of an elite athlete, we're, we're now looking at a ton of information. And so as soon as we start uh, saying something to a 14-year-old, and they're looking up and to the left, they're gone. They don't know what you said. And then mm -hmm. I have to manage expectations on that. So, so I also started working with like managing what we're going to do, how long it's going to take and give me your best for that. And so when we're talking about T-ball, I didn't know that stuff. And it was like herding cats and it was very, very difficult. And then as I started coming up through the ranks, I still teach young kids, the peewees. And, but if I can get them to do something for five minutes and then go to the next thing and then come back around and circle it, I can get more out of them. That, and I also like to do group coaching. So that was another thing uh, that I liked is when we do groups, I can look over a certain player that I know I'm not connecting with, but soon as he hears it from his other, or, or, or the other uh, players that are getting that information, he will want to either be competitive and, and pick it up, or he doesn't feel like he's being picked on one-on-one -on -one with me. And a lot of times when I was doing one-on-ones, uh, it, they zone out really quick. I have a, a lower voice and they just like, that's it. And then mm -hmm. I ask them and that's, and that leads me to the next thing is I always ask questions and Thomas talked to, uh, taught us this. And that is to ask questions to your players to have them repeat what they think you said or, uh -huh. or what we're trying to do. So um, I'll ask a player, I'm like, what'd you learn? So I don't mess it up you know, and, yeah. and he'll repeat his version of it. And if it's close, then I'm good. If he's way off, then I'll just say, okay, well, let's, let's cover it again. So that's, that's some of the, the things that I'm doing is I'm trying to make a difference. I'm trying to give good information. I'm trying to reframe. Um, and I, you're going to fail. It's baseball. So, so you're going to have to be able to get past that failure. Um, whatever it is, whether it's striking out or, or walking three guys in a row and you, you got to be mentally tough. And, and what, what I've been taught over the years through uh, national pitching and with 
uh, the directors and everybody that's a part of that group, which is a small group at this point. I think there's, at last I checked, 32 or 35 guys nationally. Um, we all speak the same thing. So if somebody comes to us from a different area uh, in the country or region, um, we, we're still talking the same thing. And, and Tom's made a, a good point of doing that for us. Uh, so, so failing fast forward is huge. You mess up, let it go. You're always going to keep uh, going and playing, and it's not going to be your last time that you're going to fail. And if you do fail, as long as you don't quit, you're never a failure. All right. So that's uh, that's pretty much how it's changed for me. That, those are the, the key tactics that, that I use when I coach. Phenomenal. So, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. And um, what makes you really unique, it really appeal to first the music bit, because um, I study uh, music influences on performance. And there oh, nice. is um, yeah, there is a, a very unique uh researcher he's he's the best in the field at brunel university in the uk um and um he he has indicated that music can do a lot of things if it if it's something that the athlete selects and they prefer it could actually reduce metabolic costs that means if they have the right music um they can reduce their stress level their cortisol levels uh, certain things that get them to burn up energy. So, um, and they've looked at it in endurance athletes. And I do think the same thing could be for, um, for, for baseball players. But the other thing is um, you can change the music to get more of a sympathetic drive. You know, we always talk about how to prepare athletes for battle with, you know, activation rather than like the dyna dynamic warmup, but activation means that there's some guys that need to be turned up at a certain level mm -hmm. and some guys that need to be turned down or gals um, that compete. But um, finding that balance can actually, it, it can actually boost uh, power, muscle power, contract, contractile strength. So that's really awesome. Um, I'm into that. The other thing, you being a teacher, I can tell the way that you set up your lesson plans and your approach to coaching. It's like uh, educational pedagogy where you're, you know, you're, you're, creating the scaffolding, you're allowing some exploration, there's peer to peer learning, like all of these things are resonating with me. But the, another thing that really sticks out in my mind, which which you had said, and uh, I think the audience really needs to understand, um, is that you're asking questions of your athletes, so that you know, they're determining what they're absorbing. But, you know, in coaching, we always ask, what do you feel? You know, um, what did you learn, but what did you feel, you know, and then when an athlete uh, can really describe, oh, yeah, you know, I felt more pressure on my big toe, or my heels mm -hmm. dug into the ground more, or, um, you know, I, I felt uh, like I was more directed to home plate, like when they... And, and, and that's, that's really good. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. I have a, a case study on this. I, I, I have a, uh, one of my really good pitchers um, that's a strike throwing machine, throws mm -hmm. high velocity. I when we were working on getting him into position, I kept asking him, I'm like, I want, when you get up here, you, you, it's going to start to feel float. Like you're going to float or, or something's going to get to the point where you're not going to feel stress on the arm. There's not going to be like you're lifting a weight. It's just right. going to be natural when you start to rotate and it's going to be a whip. And he, I says, name it. And he goes, it's floaty. 
And from there on yeah, out, we called yeah. it floaty. Yeah. And, and so Perfect. I said, are you getting floaty? And because I could tell because when he wasn't, his velocity dipped three to four miles an hour. And then when he yeah. was on it, it was fast. So, yep. And then the other thing too, so the way you communicate, it's like the player now own, owns the coaching process. You know, yes. it's, it's the same thing. I remember when we, when I started with the angels, um, building culture, you know, we were deciding, you know, what are three words that are going to resonate to our athlete population. And we picked words, um, you know, and, and they came and then we said, you know what, let's let the players choose. Let's let the players select the, the words that they want. And um, it was uh, determined, relentless and dedicated. Those three words, they went on the back of shirts. They went inside the weight nice. room um they they really own the process and and that's the thing that i really like in this the, the way you coach is that you're allowing the athlete to to own the process and instead of making them fit rigidly you know what you want to accomplish with them but they're the ones that are kind of driving the mental model if you will which i which i think is phenomenal and, and that also that also leads me to the and I, I mean, there's so many different ways I can go with this, but that's the other thing is what is the smart goal? What, what are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're coming to me because you want velocity, the first thing we're going to have to do is hit the big ones. Like you want velocity. What's your nutrition like? What's mm -hmm. your hydration? Okay. And how's your sleep and recovery? That's mm -hmm. the basis. We got to have that first before we do anything else. Mm -hmm. And then once we do that, then we can get into the functional strength and then tear up from going to be able to doing, you know, push-ups and then going to the gym, you know, that, that up the pyramid is what we call it in, in PA and then biomechanics, because there's going to be things I'm going to ask you to do that elite athletes are doing. And it's very difficult to do. And I know this because I've been through it. I, mm -hmm. I went through it first before, you know, I started coaching. I think that's one of the reasons I get a grasp on it. And then I know what to ask because it was difficult for me at 43 who mm -hmm. came back from baseball after not playing for 23 years to play in, in a men's league in the 25s um, and, and, and have some type of success and still be able to throw for 10 years after that, because I had shoulder pain. It was unreal. Okay. Like stabbing ice pick pain, thinking that I was going to throw up and like, give me some Advil, you know, oh, ice. God. And then, yeah. And I didn't know anything and I searched all over the place. So, so in order to, you know, and then I found coach house and, and his program and, and as after trying other programs and, and then, and finding out why I was hurt um, within like two minutes of this talk, mm -hmm. I was to the next level. And then with that, that's, that's part of that, that journey that I'm taking as a coach is because I'm also been through it as a player. And then, you know, am I throwing a hundred miles an hour? No, but I'm not the slowest guy on the team, mm -hmm. but, I, but my arm is like nine innings every time we, we play. You know, that's why so, you got the rubber city baseball. <laughs> that's because, I like to think that, but, uh, yeah, good your headquarters here. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you touched on something that, uh, you know, we got to get into. And uh, I know I said I don't want to make it a long podcast, try to keep it concise. But you reached out to me with a certain observation yeah. that you had seen in your high school guys. Yeah. I want you to communicate a little bit on what you had seen. Okay. So I, I was fairly new. I've only been in your program with about, uh, I think I have 71 players now that are, that are on there. And I got a ton more that are signing up nice. um, for testing. I, I'm, I'm seeing these numbers and I I'm, I'm going through 
what I'm trying to remember from the certification. Okay. And I'm, I'm seeing uh, high school kids that are coming in with two things. They're either weaker than what they should be. Mm. Okay. So they don't have the functional strength to do what we're asking them to do, but yet some of them still throw kind of fast. All right. And then we see the other thing is, and this is mostly with trainers um, and including my own um, trainer for the, for the six weeks that I had them training in the pro workout before they come to me for velocity stuff. And that is their arm strength was going crazy high. I mean, they, they start off like, you know, 75 and then in within three weeks, they're almost to a hundred. Right. Yeah, and then now I got guys we're talking the arm score, just because yeah. our listeners might not, the arm score is the, the total arm strength is a percentage of body weight. So when he's saying a hundred, if I'm 222 pounds, that means that I have 222 pounds of total arm strength. Continue Luke. Yeah, it's like relative. So, yeah. so as going as it's going up, I'm seeing their 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 measurements on their internal and external rotation, scaption, and grip all climbing. But then I notice big internal rotation starting to pull away from, even though they're passing the test, they're becoming in, un, uh, imbalanced. And I'm starting to see more internal rotation than external rotation, and to a point where it goes into the watch. Mm. And then the warning and I'm mm. calling my guy up. I'm like, Hey, you got to get on this. I need some more backside stuff. I need, I need external rotation. And, and so I, I reached out to you and, and I think you, I'm going to let you tell, you know, everybody what you said to me. And I said, have you seen this? Because I, I already know from Tom about heavy lifting and what we're doing from lifting. Cause it's all organic. We, we mm -hmm. get, we get fed through, you know, uh, the same process that I, I help, you know, coach with, but there's, there's, pieces parts where we know that we don't have a measuring tool but we'll ask questions and those questions will give us a very very close uh, you know where he's at whether we're going to watch warn we just didn't have precise you know uh measurements now like we do with, with the, the strength um on this particular you know internal rotation imbalance so i um i i told you this and you said what <laughs> do you remember so I don't really remember, but I, okay, I'll, you, I'll, you have to jog my you said it had to, it had to do with major league guys and oh yes, guys. yes, 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 yes. Good, thank you for jogging my memory. So it's very characteristic in the high school athlete to be more acceleration driven than decel, and I mean acceleration when you know bringing the arm forward. That's your internal rotators. A lot of things, a lot of what happens is that people, one, they're not evaluating like you are. They're not evaluating the strength combination, but they, they need to sit down and look at their exercise proportions. Okay. So in high school, um, a, a lot of uh, athletes that come from more football influence, I noticed that. Yes. So, yes. so there's a heavy pressing um, focus, more anterior chain. If you split the body in half, if I'm looking at you, cut me in half front and back. They're doing more front front body work, okay, where they need more posterior to balance it out. Now, they do have to have requisite upper body press strength. I've seen that with the Angels that if we had guys that had very low relative press strength, they had more exposure to risk of injury. They need that. But the problem is when there's a preoccupation um, to, to that front side of the body, we got issues, okay? So now the high school player, I mean, the Tommy John situation is going up. It mm -hmm. is in the high school mm -hmm. player, but, but they do, they tend to have more like internal impingement, rotator cuff strains, backside stuff because of what you're, you're talking about. Now player then progresses to college. 
and uh, in, in pro ball. And, and now there's more of a medical uh, observation of them. Okay. So sports medicine starts to take control of what's going on with the throwing arm. Now the programs, they start to shift to the posterior side. So I just went to a major league team. We sat down, we did a whole bunch of education. We got on the board and I just said, okay, in your arm care program, give me the percentage of exercises that are internal rotation driven and external. Okay. There was one team that said they only do 10% internal and 90% external and posterior. So their, so their athletes, when they tested them were beyond well beyond our safety range in that ERI or ratio, they were like at a Uh, 1.2 or higher. There were some, there were some guys that were, um, they were 1.5. So that means their ER strength was a uh, one and a half times stronger than their IR. That's, that's like right a, on the cusp, right? Yeah, that's like, getting that's, ready way, to an, that's way beyond yeah, our, our yeah. cusp is, is 1.05. Yeah, we want to try to yeah, get them to be yeah. one, one to one, because um, people don't understand when the arms laying back, my internal rotators are decelerators. Mm-hmm. When my arms accelerating forward, it's my posterior rotator cuff that are the decelerators as well. So internals is is acceleration and throwing the ball forward but it's decelling in the layback and you know that's why we're getting a lot of injuries to like slap tears and um you know tommy john we go through that in the course in terms of the biomechanical basis of these injuries but you are seeing something that what concern what that what concerns me is the millions of coaches out there that aren't and and then you know, the communication with the strength coach yeah. who's running the program for the players, it ain't happening based on data. Yeah. And that's a problem, man. I, I wish, you know, we've heard it for a long time through the MPA and, and Coach House and the camps and stuff. And I'll talk to, I'll talk to trainers. I'll talk to, uh, and I, here's what the trainers tell me. You got, they got to be athletes first. And I'm thinking a pitcher's not an athlete. Do you, do you understand the amount of stress and strain that you got to do to throw a hundred pitches oh, or dude. 125 pitches, a hundred miles an hour? I mean, that's a duration and a sprint and a mental yeah. and emotional. I mean, they're not athletes. Okay. So that that's tough. Um, <laughs> but what I find is most of these, these really big schools have great football programs. Yeah. And then they put this dynamic warm up, which is fine. That's a dynamic warm up, but you got to do shoulders and arm. Yeah. Okay. And you know, that has to be, uh, you know, huge. I'm, I'm a high school coach too. Um, for, wow. I had two different, two different, uh, it's funny cause I, I'm not going to mention the team, but the team that I was on, I, I struggled with, um, the other coaches not liking our warmups, not liking, uh, what we did, uh, mm-hmm. because it took too much time. Mm-hmm. And I, the first thing I asked, I was like, have you ever seen a pro baseball pitcher? Okay. Warm up. Mm-hmm. You can get there early, but you still haven't seen what he's done. Okay. I mean, they're like two hours into it getting ready. Yeah. Um, underground. You know, sure. and they're they're bullpenning by the time you're showing up. Mm-hmm. All right. And and then and then I'm I'm asking this, you know, I'm like, did you ever see, you know, Tom Brady or Breeze or Ryan or any of those guys that Tom's coach and they're out there doing this? It's the same thing that, you know, but we're doing it and we're trying to get them warmed up. So when you're, when you warm up to throw and you get the blood pumping and everything's loose, you throw fast out of the gate. Okay. Mm-hmm. You throw hard and it, and it's easy. So we want you to throw hard, easy, not like, you know, 
um, muscling up and trying to figure out. And I know myself, if I don't warm up and I got to play catch with the kid and I start, I'm, I start, I'm a kid too at heart. I want to play catch. I start ripping, you know, curveballs or fastballs or whatever before I warmed up. And I'm like, man, I'm tight. Oh, it's typical, yeah. right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tight up here at feeling the elbow, you know, and then I just, it's not a big deal. I, I know what to do. I can get through it, but, but talking to trainers, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they don't see it. They think that you got to pump massive weights. And I was like that too, because I came from uh, just in my thirties being in shape and having some martial arts background. Um, and then was asked to play some baseball after a long period of time. And I had such bad pain, but my chiropractor's like, you're not strong enough. And I'm like, Oh, crap you know i'm I'm lifting weights i'm blah blah she was like no the little muscles in your shoulder and i'm like i don't believe you and mm-hmm. then it wasn't until like i said i went to a camp with tom and i was like ooh. and then that's when everything changed and if I, we could if we could somehow get that out to the trainers you know that information should be f- for everybody and that's that's one thing that it should happen is we yep. got it we got to get that out there um, because we'll start seeing some guys that weren't going to be pitchers or quit playing baseball because they were hurt. We'll we'll see more guys at the upper level, and it's gonna the game's just gonna get you know continually better. Yeah, I mean, uh, you 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 know, I want to close this out because you hit something that is is so important as a take home message. You know, my focus when I was directing strength and conditioning for the angels is that I wanted to be the best in the, the uh, activation process. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we changed the name of it from dynamic warmup because uh, we had some, we wanted force aspects in there, isometrics, mm-hmm. those kinds mm-hmm. of things that really wake the muscle up. But when we changed it to activation, we got a lot of laughs from some of the coaches on the outside, but like you, I, I had to battle that, mm-hmm. you know, it was a priority to you. It, it's kind of crazy when coaches don't take it seriously because it's the last thing you do before you compete. All the weight training, all the mm-hmm. speed work, all that stuff, it's done way ahead of the game. The last thing you do physiologically outside of competing is that activation process. So, um, you know, this has been an amazing podcast and I'm just so grateful for you taking the education, obviously taking the time, um, to be with us. And, um, you know, when, when this thing gets published, we're going to make sure, you know, that people can get a hold of you. What's the best way that they can reach you, you know, to discuss okay. further your experience There's, in education? You know, I'm, I'm pretty busy. I have over 140 players that I'm monitoring. I got four teams and a high school team in the morning. So until March, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, <laughs> but I'll take a phone call or a text as long okay. as I don't get like, you know, 300 of them. <laughs> um, but I try to, I'm always on top and try to respond to anybody, but you can also reach out to any national pitching coach. Okay. On, on that website, nationalpitching.com. Okay. Um, and, um, or I, I would say you can email me too, but I'm a little bit slower because I, my day job also has a ton of email. Yeah. So, so texting and, and calling is just saying, you know, a simple question. I'm also on, on Twitter, um, you can follow on Twitter or uh, Instagram. Um, okay. And I we will have those. There. Yeah. We'll have yeah. your handles there so they can get to you. And, and, and what I, you know, what I, I, I do have to say this because we didn't get to talk about this and I, I did want to say this when, after I got certified with the arm care, all right. 
it put responsibility on me and the player. Okay. So there's, there's no, you know, if you tell me you warm up and then you come and you test and your numbers are crap. And then all of a sudden when I'm done with you and you do the post and you're 120%, I'm like, you didn't warm up enough because I know yeah. I challenged you. Okay. And, yeah. and there, there's, there's times where I, they did pretty hard and I'm like, well, thank God I, I saw that because I have to make that adjustment. But the, uh, the test was, was challenging. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was fun. For me, I was matching up because I, that's what I do. I look and say, okay, well, how does that match up to what I already know, what, what I've learned from national pitching? And they're, they, they're some are like, you don't really understand and know until you're like, I know that because we do it here. He's talking about that. The isometrics are huge. We, we do mm -hmm. a ton also. And I learned from you in, in the certification program, some really good stuff about it that, that I didn't know all the like details of it. So I just wanted to say thank you for a having me on and two, you know, give me a chance to, uh, uh, you know, go through that certification and learn some of the oh, stuff that man. you're teaching. I'm I, am, I am so grateful. I really appreciate it. I, I, that's encouraging for us. And uh, for those of you listening, you know, hop on board, you know, take this certification, be an expert, you know, give greater service to your athletes, be a leader in the field, be like Lou. So thanks, Lou. And sure. uh, for everybody listening, thank you for your attention. It's been a great podcast. Okay.